Hello, everybody. We are doing a Friday night chill hangout where we do a Q&A and you can all pick my brain on whatever has been on your mind artistically. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, tutorials, critiques, professional development, and workshops. I know people have various projects going on, and my big project has been trying to expedite my editing process. Some of you may have seen that we have really changed our upload schedule. We are investing heavily in reels and shorts, and it's making me a little crazy, but <laughs> I'll try anything for a short period of time because especially I've seen online, things just change so fast, including the algorithms, what people are interested in. It gives you whiplash. Let me take care of it and I'll update you guys. <laughs> it's a lot to stay on top of. And if you're not in it every day, like we are, it's very hard to keep track of things. And one thing I have definitely noticed is that if you want to reach new people, the algorithms are majorly pushing shorts. I was looking at my Instagram analytics, and if you look at the posts, it's a tiny piece of who gets to see the work. I'm almost at the point where I've sort of stopped doing Instagram posts, because they're just not getting the traction. They are good for announcements, like we're doing workshop registration right now. Actually, today's the last day to register. So if you want to participate in one of our workshops, today's the last day. We do keep registration open until the workshop, if it runs. We already have people who have signed up but we need to have a minimum amount to justify running the workshop. But if the workshop runs, I'll keep the registration open until the workshop fills or two days before the workshop happens. So there'll be more opportunities to register, but if we don't get enough people to register now, the workshop just won't run. So it's better for you to register today. <laughs> don't wait until later because it bums me out when the registration doesn't have the workshop run. Yeah, Ginger says, I always feel like my posts are just for me. And that's a great way to think about it. I think as artists, we do have to ask ourselves, is this project for me? Or is this project for somebody else? Sometimes it's a client, sometimes it's for a friend. Maybe you're doing an illustration for a publisher and it's totally a job because it's okay to do that. In fact, I've been posting a lot of stuff lately about working with Ashley Browning, who's coming on the stream on Sunday. I'm really excited. She's an art director, very seasoned. And I've been posting the feedback that Ashley has been giving me about my thumbnail sketches to demonstrate that back and forth that happens in a professional setting, art director and illustrator. I found it fascinating. Tell me in the chat, have you seen the videos 
about working with an art director? Do you like them? Do you find them fascinating? I have no idea. <laughs> I know that selfishly they are good for me, but that doesn't necessarily mean my audience finds it interesting. I get selfish sometimes because I want to learn something. And so I say, oh, I want to learn graphic design. I need to bring Ashley on the stream because everybody else wants to learn graphic design. The reason I got programmed is because I wanted to learn it. But I guess I get to do that because <laughs> I work hard on this platform. But a lot of people have been commenting on the art director shorts saying, oh my gosh, she's being so tough on you in terms of the feedback. And I explained to people, listen, in theory, this is not a real job, but if it were a real job, she's doing exactly what she's supposed to do as an art director and as an illustrator working on a professional gig. I can't look at it in terms of me. I have to think about what is the job? What is the client? What do they want? And honestly, I find it really refreshing after spending so long as a fine artist. I don't have to please anybody. I don't have any specifications. I, I just do my work. But I actually am finding it refreshing because Ashley wrote such good feedback. I was like, wow, I don't have to think. She just told me everything that I need to fix. It actually felt great. Also, this is strange, but I sort of love not being in charge. <laughs> Even though I want to be in charge, it's nice to have a couple pockets of my life where I'm not in charge because there are not that many of them. And so I like relinquishing that creative responsibility, I suppose. <laughs> and Ivy says, seen them and loved them. I didn't go to art school and love the inside looks at the profession. I was looking on YouTube. I always do that whenever we do a new topic. I'll look it up on YouTube and see what's out there. And there's a lot of day in the life of an art director, but I couldn't find any videos where you could see the actual feedback. I got permission from Ashley to post her feedback in the reels. And you can see I put them in the video description or the text caption on Instagram. And for me, having something so concrete to know what to expect, say, yes, they're gonna be like this. I mean, every art director is different. I'm not saying everybody's gonna be like Ashley, but to understand those expectations, because you know what? <laughs> if that had been on a professional gig, the stuff I've been doing with Ashley, I don't think they would have hired me again. <laughs> because I feel like, yes, I mean, people need to have some degree of flexibility, but at a certain point, people not understanding things <laughs> Gets in the way just a little bit. <laughs> so let me know in the chat, what are your questions for today? We talk about everything because I never know what you guys need from me. It sounds weird, but I have all these things I want to do, but I want to make sure what we produce aligns with your needs, which is why I'm always asking people for feedback, ways to beef up our content. And graphic design has always been just a giant gaping hole in our content because we never had somebody. Dorian has graphic design experience and I have Ashley coming on, but I do have plans not to have a graphic design section on the site. We don't have enough content for that yet, but I do wanna create a graphic design page 
that goes through this process I'm going through with Ashley. Ashley put together this wonderful page of basic graphic design articles, and some of them were great beginning courses. So we're going to have that together, hopefully, fairly soon. Retrospective says, want to say I love your personality, artist and teacher, how you explain and do stuff. You're such a great source of inspiration. In fact, I bought two sketchbooks today because of you. Yes, and we are art supply enablers. <laughs> Who here has bought something because of us? <laughs> because we just can't help ourselves. It's just so fun. <laughs> I could talk about art supplies all day and never run out of things to talk about. And I feel like as a community, we're kind of bad because we encourage each other to buy things. I saw this thing at the store and it just looks so cool. And then one of you guys will pop in and be like, oh yes, I have one. It's so awesome. You should buy it. It's great though. Exposing each other. And... Madeleine says, I would like to hear you chat about how to decide which art prof services might best align with our individual goals. Madeleine, if you can follow up a little bit on that question and get a little more specific, it'll help me answer it better. But we do have several services here at Art Prof, and we have artist calls. The artist calls are important when you want to back and forth because the portfolio critiques, they're a one-way street. The portfolio critiques, I review your portfolio, I record it on video, and I go through all the pieces. It's very comprehensive. You can get through a lot in 30 minutes, but there's no back and forth. So I record the portfolio critique and I send it to you. The artist calls are very different. The artist calls are, you're on here with me, I ask you questions, you're answering them. So in some ways, sometimes the artist calls can be a little more efficient because I can really catch the things that you're wondering about. Whereas in the portfolio critique, obviously I'm reviewing the work, but sometimes there's something you want to ask me and you can't because it's a portfolio critique. I know for some people, the artist call might feel a little bit intimidating because it's live and you're talking to me and I'm so scary, <laughs> right? But I do think they're the most efficient in terms of getting the feedback because the thing is everybody's art situation is different. Some people don't need a portfolio. Some people want to talk to me about how to start a YouTube channel. Some people want to talk to me about marketing as an artist. And the portfolio critiques don't do that. The statement editing is most helpful for people who are applying to art school. You have a personal essay you have to accompany. If you're applying to a grant and you have an artist statement, you need to write part of the application. The personal art curriculums are when you want me to customize basically a personal lesson plan, not one lesson plan, but many. So I provide a sequence and suggestions for various resources based on your work. I make recommendations and I put together this whole curriculum for you. I know some people are very overwhelmed by everything that's available online. So that's a solution for those kinds of things. So yeah, Madeline, if you want to say what are some of your individual goals? If you're comfortable sharing that, I can get a little more specific. Ha, Ginger Cell bought those Conte crayons. J.R. Grimm bought some lino cut stuff. Fantastic. <laughs> and Blue Wolf says, 
graphic design, especially topography, helps me appreciate, helps me greatly in my non-art job. Just the artistic influence of ArtProf helps me to make better looking products at work. Oh, I'm so glad. So often the art part does feel very separate from our jobs, but it's everywhere. If you put together a slide presentation, what I notice is that a slide that just has text on it, people just gloss over it. And so sometimes you'll notice in our streams, we have a slideshow, we have some text, but I always put an emoji at the bottom at the very least, because that is a little bit more accessible and any kind of visual is better than just this wall of text, which is a giant pain and boring for people to look at. All right, juicy tulip enabler. <laughs> Crispy's asking, how do you start a new sketchbook? I find myself getting very attached to my sketchbooks, having a hard time transitioning to a new one. It's harder to freely create, if that makes any sense. Yes. In fact, I purposefully do not buy nice sketchbooks because if the sketchbook were nice, I wouldn't use it that much. It would feel a little too precious. And I need my sketchbook just to be a dump of whatever. That's the most important thing to me. Crispy, I wonder, and tell me in the chat, you can follow up. Have you ever worked in two sketchbooks or more at the same time? I'm a little weird. I don't know that I'm the best person to give advice on this, but I think I have at least three sketchbooks that are going at different times. Some of them serve different purposes. I have one sketchbook that's watercolor paper, and I use it when I go plain air. I have my day-to-day -day sketchbook. I can actually show you guys what that looks like. This is my day-to-day -day sketchbook, and, and this is what it looks like. <laughs> it's really, really boring. There's not a lot of stuff in here. I mean, mostly it's just a giant dump of just whatever. <laughs> what is this? But I also have been putting some of the Dune thumbnail sketches in here. So let me show you guys. Like th this is a much more organized page because I knew this was going to be seen by somebody. And here's another page. So this is probably the one part of my sketchbook that actually has some degree of organization. But I think Crispy, if I were to start a brand new sketchbook, probably I would do something really messy. I wouldn't start by painting some beautiful painting on the first page. I think it's almost like breaking in a sketchbook. It's too pretty, too nice. And you have to do something a little messy at the beginning. At least that's what I would do. I don't know that that would work for everybody. Damien bought a pellet knife and charcoal. <laughs> Joe says, jumbo size bamboo pen after watching you use it. Oh, it's so fun. I know some people don't like it because it doesn't make a consistent line, but that's why I love it because you get a really wide range of lines without even trying. The bamboo pen just does it for you. If you have a, a nice, pretty pen that is even the whole time, it is a very, very different experience. Ginger's asking, any new art supplies you have been enjoying recently? I have been having fun making a ton of stamps. Yeah, I love seeing those in the Discord, Ginger. I mean, anytime 
I can turn people onto printmaking. I will totally do it. I guess the most recent art supply I've been playing with has been the liquid charcoal, the Sweeney Todd piece that I did, but Blue Wolf actually sent me Schminke, is that how you say the brand? Liquid charcoal, which is different because the Schminke, not the nitrum, which I used on the stream, it comes in three colors. One of them is cherry. I forget the other two. I was like, wow, liquid charcoal, that's some color. So we'll have a stream later this month where I demonstrate that. And I'll be very interested to compare the two because I'm sure there will be differences. Thank you so much, BNZND, for the super chat. We so much appreciate your support. Keep those super chats and stickers coming. They really add up. Even those just $5 donations are so important to us because we still live on a shoestring budget. And for us, getting $20 matters. And JR is asking, how do you get over art envy? I look at other artists and I know I'll probably never be as recognized as them. And I can't help but feel discouraged. Everybody feels that way. And if they don't, they're lying. <laughs> I'll give you an example, JR. The most recent time that I was feeling major art envy. I've been doing a lot of research on the movie poster industry because that's something I'm interested in working in someday. So I went out and I looked at some people in the movie poster business who are successful, illustrators who are making posters. And I found this one woman, I'll put the name in the chat. It's a little bit hard to pronounce. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Akiko Sterenberger. And the other person I looked at was James Jean. I think a lot of people know James Jean. But James Jean did this really cool poster for The Shape of Water. He also did one for The Whale that had this beautiful portrait. And I love Akiko Sterenberger's posters. And I like seeing that, oh, these are some people who are working in the industry in a way that I might like to. But the thing is, those two people are like the top in the industry. Like she's so high in demand, like everybody wants to work with her. And so the problem is, then I look at that and I'm like, I, I haven't done a gig. I'm at the very beginning. I'm still figuring out the art director graphic design thing. And it does feel sort of hopeless. It's like, oh my God, I'll never be like that. What helps me, J.R. Grimm, is I will look at other artists, I'll absorb all kinds of things, and then I'll just stop looking at them. I will not look at them while I'm making the work. So this Dune 2 poster that I'm making, I pretty much turned off looking at her stuff. And so you have to compartmentalize. When do I look at other artists? Because it can be a huge distraction. And like you said, it becomes this art envy. And it's always there. There are people who are half my age who have won these major artist grants. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> and that's just the fact of life. There's always going to be artists out there that you envy, but you can choose when to engage with their work or not, because you don't want it to be a negative experience. Emmett says, I do one sketchbook a year, cover to cover, that begins on the first day and ends on the last day. I'm on year nine. Wow, that, that is a really cool routine. 
so cool. So Jonas says, tried many times to re-log in Discord, but failed. You'll have to contact Discord support because something like that is on their end, not on ours. So I'm sorry, I probably can't help you with that, but see what Discord support says. It says, cherry charcoal sounds like a bougie ice cream color. <laughs> Can art supplies be bougie? I don't know. I don't know that I entirely understand what bougie means. I don't know. Maybe some of you hip people can explain to me what you think bougie means. I think I know. I think it's fancy mocha latte something at Whole Foods that has pomegranate infused in it, something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, so blue says cherry pit, grapeseed, and peach pit are the schminke colors. Oh, I'm so curious now. And Jason is asking, where should I start with an order statement? Every time I start to write one, I disgust myself. They're so painful to write. <laughs> Jason, you're not the only person is feeling this pain. I feel like it's, if we told writers, oh, by the way, you need to do a painting statement. You've written this novel. Now you've got to make a painting. It's sort of like that. We became artists because we don't want to write. <laughs> we became artists to express ourselves. So it's very difficult. So what I'm going to recommend that you do is if you go to our website, which is artprof.org, use the search bar. This is the fastest way to find what you want because the website's huge. You won't find it if you're circling around. So just type in artist statement and there are a couple things to look at. So this is our editing services. So this is if you want to send us your statement and I do hands-on editing within the document, which can be very helpful if you're actually sending it out somewhere. So Jason, A, I don't know where your statement is going, if it's going on your website or something like that, but on something like a grant application, the statement is extremely important. On a website, of course, it's good to have one that's well-written, but it's not a huge deal. So we have this main page, which is how to write an artist statement. And this is a complete guide. And you can see we go through all these various pieces and these links all are linked on the page. So if I do this, you can cycle your writing. You can see it takes you to that spot. You can go back to the top. But we also have something which is an exercise for how to figure out how to do this. Here it is, artist statement exercise. So this is basically a lesson you can do for a statement. And so what I tell people, actually try writing a very short statement, a one paragraph statement, and then say a two paragraph statement. And you know something? The statement that is the toughest to write is the one where I ask people to write one sentence. It's very hard, but it distills what you're trying to say. And I think that's the thing that people really struggle with. And we have all kinds of examples here. So I'd recommend looking at that page. But the main thing is with an artist statement, you have to have the right information because a lot of people don't really know because they don't have experience, what is the structure of an artist statement? And so we give you all that information here to make it better. I'm actually fine. I'd love to hear everybody's 
take on this actually, which is I'm noticing more and more as I talk to people and help them with their portfolios and things that so much of the problem, so much of the reason people struggle with things as artists, it's actually misinformation because a lot of people will come into the discord so we can help and support them. And they'll say something like, well, I thought this and this about acrylics. And I'll say, actually, that's not true. <laughs> or, well, that's sort of true, but actually it's more like this. Because the thing is the answers to everybody's questions about art, they're not straightforward. They're not clear cut. Sometimes they are like, don't drink turpentine, but most of the time they require a much more nuanced answer. And the thing is a lot of the way things are packaged online is to have the quickest read, to tell people that they can do this thing in 24 hours and it'll be amazing. But just nothing works like that. <laughs> nothing that's of any quality is like that. And so I'm finding in the Discord, I'm constantly correcting misinformation that people are receiving. And in the case of something like an artist statement, it's a problem. If somebody tells you the wrong format for the artist statement, it's not going to work so well. Let's see. Jason says, things that are great, but you're supposed to dislike because they are too popular. That's bougie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dana's asking, do you have to write an artist statement for an MFA? Yes. If you apply to an MFA program, the statement is extremely important. And I think not enough people who apply to MFA programs understand just how important it is. Because typically what I see is people will work on their MFA portfolio a lot. And you should. <laughs> Don't skip that part. But they will oftentimes leave the statement to the last minute. And they're not really thinking about the statement while they do the portfolio. I did that. I totally did not write a good art statement. I did not put enough time on it. And I suspect that was probably one of the reasons I didn't get to a lot of programs. So it's much more important than you think it is. J.O. says, what medium do you recommend to use with the jumbo bamboo pen tried watered down walnut ink with two, with no lock, too thin? Yeah, don't use walnut ink. Walnut ink is so delicate. I mean, I love walnut ink. It has the most beautiful, subtle washes and flow. I do think that India ink works very well with the bamboo pens. I don't know about drawing inks, those Winsor Newton colored drawing inks. I'm not a fan of those in general. They're just really weak. I have not tried this, but I think they might actually work. Well, I was going to say acrylic inks, but then I worry that the acrylic will dry on the bamboo pen. So actually now I'm going to say no. <laughs> Maybe try indie ink. I think that should work. Okay. This is a good tip from Slate. I find artists I admire and see what artist statement they did for a similar venue. I use what they wrote as a template. So much of what we can do as artists when we're learning to do something is to find somebody who's already doing the thing we want to do and really just take that format. Because I'm working with somebody right now to set up a YouTube channel 
And oftentimes people will say, well, I have to make reels because that's what the algorithm is demanding right now. And yes, unfortunately that's true, but I have content coming out to help you guys with that. And what happens is people say, well, I don't, I don't know what to make a video about. Of course you don't. <laughs> and I actually have a short I'm editing today that is a bunch of easy video prompts that people can make that are low effort, almost no editing. So they can feel like that's a little bit more doable. But what I tell people is just, if you see a short online and you really like it, take that format and do your version of it. I mean, literally treat videos you see as a prompt that somebody else is doing. So one of the prompts that I was gonna tell people to do is literally talk about one art supply. You don't have to do anything. You just set up the camera, you tap record and you just stand there and you say, this is my hockey brush. I'm in love with my hockey brush. I love it because of the soft bristles and it's got a nice grip. Whatever you want to say, I mean, that's a video. What's the last short or reel that you guys have seen that you were like, oh my God, I love that reel. And how could you repackage that? for yourself. I do that all the time. Like Jared Krasoska, who was on one of our streams, he was so fun. I took one of his webinars and he said in the webinar, this is a really good reel to cut, go cut your own version. And I did it and it worked. <laughs> so the reel is basically you come on and it's really short. You say, hi, I'm Clara Lou. I was a adjunct professor at RISD. What do you want to know about being an artist? Ask me anything. That's it. And it worked. All these people asked me questions. Now, you don't have to be a teacher to do that. You can say, I'm an acrylic painter and I play with mixed media and this is my interest. What do you want to ask me? Because a lot of the engagement you get on social media, you have to ask for it. You can't just expect people to do things. So you'll notice in a lot of our posts and reels, I'm always picking your brains. And I'm so glad I did because you know what? <laughs> I feel so embarrassed that I did this you guys. Look at this. So I recently did this reel. I went to the art store and I was looking at these acrylic varnishes. And at the end of the video, you'll see I talk about this one item, golden isolation coat, which I'd never seen before. And I look at it and I, in the reel, I sort of go, oh, I don't know. And then all these people in the comments were like, oh, it's for this, this, and this. And it's a barrier in case you ever want to remove the varnish. I felt like such an idiot, but that's why I ask you guys questions. So you can correct me or tell me the thing that I actually don't know. It's very, very helpful. And Cheesecake is asking at my school, they sell Stonehenge and Arches paper for cheap. Wow, really? Hey, I want to go hang out there. Should I buy as much as I can for later courses or nah? It depends on the type of work that you do. I know that I love paper and I will always use paper no matter what I'm doing. For me, I would. <laughs> but if you're not a big paper person and you don't use it consistently, you don't have to, but it also depends on your budget. I mean, I would. <laughs> I can't resist the paper. The paper is so cool. Ginger's asking, do you think an artist statement should come before the work? 
I'd a professor recommend I write my statement first, but I don't know how I feel about that. I wouldn't. I think that's too hard. What I recommend to people is to start the statement and keep revising it as you're making the work because the work evolves and therefore your statement is going to shift with that. The important thing about the artist statement is I just don't think it should be written totally separately from the making of the portfolio. So let's say you're working on a painting and you start to realize, oh, wow, this is a theme that I didn't have before is starting to really develop. Write it down in your artist statement. You have to like write it beautifully, just in your statement, just throw in a note that says, oh, by the way, I'm thinking about this. Because I just think if you separate the statement and the practice too much, you can end up with a situation where somebody will look at the statement and they'll look at the portfolio and they don't match. That happens all the time when I help people with their artist statements, where I read the statement and I don't even recognize the voice that's in the statement versus the actual portfolio. Ivy says, I'd like to know how other people handle attention span. I can become obsessed with something, printmaking, book carving, a watercolor technique, but as soon as I do it, I'm done done, want to move on. It means I don't really progress in an area as much as I would like. I mean, who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> Why do you guys think I have so many unfinished projects? <laughs> you, I, some of you guys may have seen me struggling <laughs> with this border. And I was like trying to do it digitally. And now I'm like, oh, fine, I'm going to suck it up and repaint it. And this is like a few weeks ago. <laughs> there's that, And there's nothing wrong with that. If you are somebody like me who can't stick with things, it's okay to have a couple pots that are boiling at the same time. But sometimes it's helpful to give yourself a time limit. You can say, okay, well, I'm doing printmaking. I'm going to do it for two weeks. And that sometimes is enough of a nudge for you to be able to tell yourself, oh, okay, I... I'm getting a little bored, but you know something? I said two weeks, there's only three days left. I'm going to keep going. Sometimes just a simple structure like that can be very helpful. <laughs> Slate says, I love food reels. Don't know how to make a painting reel the same way. Actually, it's really funny that you say that, Slate, because so much what I've done here is modeled after chefs. Because you can think about the painting is their finished pie and the ingredients and tools that they use are basically our art supplies. And so a lot of the lesson plans that I've written, I, I've actually really looked at recipes <laughs> and said to myself, oh, are these things I really need to make note of? Like, I hate it when I read a baking recipe and they don't tell you to preheat the oven. I know it's really dumb, but they put it at the very end. And then it's like, I'm ready to bake, but I haven't preheated the oven. <laughs> and the people I really like are the ones who tell me at the very beginning, preheat the oven and then do the other things. And then you're ready to go. It's, it's little things like that, just to make it more usable. But I think it's sort of similar to the art supply that you could say, oh, I love this one spatula because the spatula does this for me. And so if you just substitute the art supplies for the tools and food and the projects for the painting, it actually works really, really well. 
Esther says, nothing is worse though than saying, ask me anything and no one asks you anything. Okay, I'll tell you my Instagram secret. That is too big of a question to ask people. If you ask somebody on Instagram, what do you think of Hugh Jackman? <laughs> I don't know, maybe some people would answer that quickly, but that's really hard to think about. Well, not for me, but for other people. But if I say to you, do you like Hugh Jackman's suit or not? That is very easy to answer. You say, oh, I don't like it. Or, oh yes, I like his suit, but I also like him. You have to make whatever engagement you do with people on social media, it has to be very simple. So oftentimes I will say to people, let's just bring in Aaron. <laughs> so one thing that I ask people, because I had the portrait done from the live stream, and I said to people, do you think I should add the figure in the upper left-hand corner? That's a yes or no question. People say, no, I like the empty space. Other people say, yeah, add it. You have to frame the questions so that it's very easy to answer because like somebody said earlier, the attention spans are low. And so if you say something like, here's my painting, what do you think? I don't know what to say. <laughs> so make it simple. That's why people like polls. Do people here tap on polls? I'd love to know because when I see a poll in an Instagram story or YouTube community feed, I always tap on it. Number one, because I want to know what's the result, but it's easy. Having those options makes things very straightforward. Carolyn says, I have to confess, I don't like reels or shorts. I want something I can listen to while I'm doing other things. So content of roughly a half an hour is what I look for. Shorter is too disjointed. I definitely have times where I watch particular types of content. When I am cooking, I always have some live stream on because I can't stop and look for another video. But usually if I'm on the couch and I don't feel like using my brain, <laughs> I will watch shorts. So it's uh, really funny. Oh, Ginger's following up about our statements. Like have a purpose, but let it evolve. Exactly. Oh, actually, Dana's following up. What is the theme? So you could say, for example, I guess I don't have any artwork in front of me. Oh, here I do. Actually, this is artwork. <laughs> it's just, this is, a, this is a print of one of my artworks. I, I haven't announced yet officially, but I do now have a shop for my fine art pieces. So if you ask me, what is the theme? these pieces are about my personal experience with depression. So the depression is a theme, but then sometimes you can have a sub theme. So I did a bunch of pieces that were about the physical exertion, these violent movements that for me was a vehicle for talking about the depression. But then I also had a later series within the same big series that was about feeling fairly stable, having a support system, but also knowing that it could get rocky. That's sort of a sub-theme. And the thing is, these evolve. That sub-theme that I'm talking about, I didn't anticipate that. I thought it was all going to be this, but it evolved into something else. And I just think everything we do grows. No art is ever static. It always changes. I mean, think about this. Have you guys ever seen that sometimes you'll work on let's say you're doing five paintings 
into the third painting, you realize, oh, wow, my technique is different than it was two paintings ago. That is extremely common for that to be the case. And so sometimes that's why I tell people don't work on the paintings linearly. Work on three at the time. So that way we don't see that really blatant learning curve. Oh, I just noticed he was backwards. <laughs> I love him. I think I need a Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> it's just so nice he's right next to me. Rosalio says, currently working on a painting I've been picking up and leaving alone for weeks. How many people, ha how many people have a piece where it's been going on for more than a month? <laughs> Very curious. For me, it's like a month, that's nothing. <laughs> Sometimes it's a few years. I mean, that carrot and zoodles piece that I just finished at the end of 2023. I mean, that was sitting around for two years. I don't know why it literally needed about 30 minutes of work and I finished it so fast. I don't know why I couldn't do it. Brian is asking, do I identify as an Asian woman or are you racially non-binary? I am not non-binary. I would say I identify as an Asian woman. So hope that clears that up. Sonnet says, in your opinion, what is your best piece of artwork? Oh, God. <laughs> I have no idea. That's really hard to answer. I don't think it's so much that I have one piece that I really, really love. But I have work that I felt was a milestone in my growth. There are certain pieces that I feel there's a big leap forward. Those are the pieces I think... I appreciate the most as an artist because I know that they were instrumental in the work becoming more sophisticated. For example, I mean, we can look at the, actually, let's look at another piece. <laughs> I already talked about that one. So this is one I did. This is again, this is a print. This is about, um, this was a series I call waiting and it's showing people waiting in these mysterious atmospheric spaces. And I was very excited about this work because it's where I really started digging into a different way of engaging with my materials. Because before this, I was all charcoal and all this stuff. And here was something that was a drawing, but it wasn't that traditional material. I was drawing on Duralar, which is like plastic. I was scraping with a knife. I was using lithographic crayons. So this was a real milestone for me for that reason. This was the first in that series. And it convinced me that I had something that was worth doing on a long-term basis. Brian is asking, is there a lot of racism and misogyny and anti-democratic ideology in the art community? It's like everything. I mean, you're gonna find people <laughs> who are misogynist all over the world, people who are really not inclusive. The art world is really no different, unfortunately. Eli Dove is asking, do you know if Instagram is good for artists right now? I haven't used Instagram for a few years, not sure how things are over there. Would a combination of YouTube and Instagram be best or focus on one? It depends. YouTube, I really think can exist by itself. You can be on YouTube and not be anywhere else. and it can work out. It is easier though, if you're on multiple platforms, 
you're going to reach way more people because you're casting a wider net. But what's interesting is Mia Rozier, who is on staff here, she's been very successful on Instagram and has sold so many prints. So she actually has demonstrable results because it's one thing to be on Instagram and have a lot of people see your work. It's another thing to be on Instagram and have people actually buy your work. And that's an important thing to distinguish. People will say to me, oh, I want to have a YouTube channel and want to make some extra cash. I'm like, you know what? You will make way more money at a grocery store. Way more. I mean, it makes me cry how little we make here at YouTube for the amount of time we put into things. So Eli Dove, it depends on your goal. So if you are really into video and you want to make videos and stuff, you got to get on YouTube. Now, Instagram for me is largely the hook that gets people to YouTube, but not everybody's like that. For some people, the Instagram is it. I wouldn't do YouTube as a side thing though. YouTube is too hard. It takes too long. It's an immense amount of work for extremely low payoff for a long time. And it's definitely the long game. Instagram is faster. You can just get on it and you don't have to wait so long. YouTube is a really, really long game. How to stop hoarding art supplies. Can't help you there. <laughs> Maybe other people in the chat can help you, but I always want it. <laughs> BNZND says, just join the Discord. Awesome. Is there a video somewhere on how to navigate and what the channels there are about? Yes, there is. If you go into Discord, you can type at moderator and one of us will jump in and share that introductory video with you. It's a one minute video and we just go through all the channels and explain what everything is. Who here is in the Discord, by the way? Say me. I, I won't make the people who aren't in the Discord type anything, <laughs> but I love the Discord. Now, I feel like I really got to know people when we started the Discord. By comparison, I was probably living on Pluto before we started the Discord. It's just a fantastic place. You can get those answers quickly, and you know that we're not going to give you something that's totally misinformed. Brian's asking, how do you combat art block when your creativity seems to stagnate? This isn't great advice for <laughs> trying to finish things, but I'll just do something else. If my painting's driving me crazy, I'll go do some sculpture. Sometimes just changing media is a really helpful thing. Or even trying media you're not very good at. Because sometimes I like doing new things because I have an excuse. I'm like, oh... I don't know how to do this. Of course it's bad. Whereas if I'm doing something I have experience with, I'm supposed to be good at it and it doesn't come out good. Like that feels really, really bad. So sometimes there's a freedom in being a total beginner. Yeah. See, you guys all love polls. Totally. All right. So all of you here, if you're feeling like you don't have the engagement, try a poll. They really, really help. Yeah, Leaf Pile says morbid curiosity wins every time. And 
Sorry, I'm reading. There's a lot of comments. It's great. I love it, you guys. Wow. Th this is okay. Toronto Pinoy, I have not done this. Peace, you've been working on for 14 years. <laughs> New Age Cult says sitting in the storage unit from four years ago. Teresa is asking, how much do you change mediums? Oh my gosh. I probably do too much. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I don't want to say I feel inferior to my colleagues. It's more that, I don't know, maybe it's fear of missing out, but I have colleagues who do one thing at a masterful level. And I know I'm never going to hit that. This is not possible because the amount of time that's invested to learn a material at that level. I don't have, I need a couple more lifetimes, but a big part of it, I think is talking to somebody who knows a little bit about it. And I know a lot of people don't feel like they have somebody to ask, but you guys have us. So if there's something you want to learn how to get started with, you can just jump into the discord and say, Hey, I want to learn how to do encaustic. Does anybody here know something? Because certainly you can Google how to use encaustic, but I don't know about other people, but when I look at all those search results, I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know where to begin. So sometimes I find when you talk to a person as opposed to looking it up, number one, it feels better. <laughs> I think it does, at least when the person's nice. But I also think it feels more manageable because all the results online. It's just so hard. It's like, which one do I read? And they have to read a bunch. And then you realize, oh, this one stinks or, oh, this is pretty good, but it's missing this. It's like, oh, I love that. So many of you guys are in the discord. You guys are great. Marianne says, I'm 66 years new and working on getting back to making art. Well, I'm so happy that you're here with us, Marianne. And there are so many of you like that. Tell me in the chat, how many people are coming back to art, regardless of the time period? Some people, it's several decades. Other people, they took a year to go do something. Other people, maybe it was a slow walk away or maybe some life thing happened to you. But I think a lot of our audience is like that. People who, for one reason or another, were not able to study. They didn't have the time, opportunity, and now they're coming back. Sonnet's asking, the last live I caught, you tried liquid charcoal. Have you been using it since? Well, I used it to finish up that Sweeney Todd illustration. And honestly, after the live stream, I wasn't really feeling like I wanted to use it again. But the thing is, I wanted to finish it because why not? And I found myself liking it way more the second time. I think because... My initial thought, because it came in a tube, I kept thinking, oh, this is going to be like paint. And here's what I figured out later after the stream is that what makes it not like paint is that the second you add even a little bit of water, it just goes, it, it totally breaks down. Now, paint doesn't do that. I could put water into paint and yes, it'll get wet, but it won't just go, <laughs> which is what liquid charcoal does. And so actually, I think my favorite way of using the liquid charcoal is treating it like ink wash. And once I started thinking about it like ink wash, it made much more sense. 
Crafty Chaos says, not sure I can call myself an artist. I love painting and drawing, but really only dabble in it and follow beginner list tutorials. Any tips for moving beyond this? Here's my thought about calling yourself an artist. If you make art, you're an artist. <laughs> like There's no certification. There's no exam to pass. I just think you can be an artist if you make art. So don't worry about that. Nobody's going to accuse you. You're not an artist. And if they do, they're a jerk. You don't have to listen to people like that. So moving beyond that beginner stage, I think what can be helpful is to pick a certain thing that you can really focus on. For example, when you're a beginner, you're just trying to do all these things. You can't really target anything because you don't have the experience yet. Okay. But let's say you're a beginner artist and you have been learning to draw. One way to focus that more would to say, you know what, I want to get better at figure drawing. So for the next, I don't know, month, I'm really going to focus on portraits. That's a way to be more specific about your, what you're trying to do. Because I know in the beginning as a person who's just getting started, you feel like you have to do everything. But once you've had a little bit of time as a beginner, then you can say, you know what? I don't have to draw landscapes right now. I just really want to get good at portraits. So sometimes that's a good way to do it. And we have all kinds of resources on our website, artprof.org, that we can point you to. But really, you guys, that's why the Discord is so good, is people ask me so many questions on DMs, comments, and things like that. But in the Discord, I can show you things. I can give examples. In an Instagram comment, I can't do that. And so that's one of the best ways of getting the right resources from us is meeting us in a place where we can really make that happen. Like in an Instagram DM, I can't really do that. I love all these stories. Kat had to finish college and find a job. And Dana started late seven years ago. Leslie, coming back in and out all my life, but I have to make things. Just sometimes it's crafts or cakes, sometimes art. Daniel has been having health issues with my hands, but I'm planning to come back stronger with everything I've learned here. Well, I hope that things get better with that, Daniel. I'm really sorry that you're dealing with that. But life happens. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And it's really frustrating. I've had times where I just couldn't do things for one reason or another. I mean, I think for me, the biggest moment was when I had my kids. That first year, had my first kid. I don't think I did anything. And before I had kids, I was like, oh, I'll get to draw my child. And my child will have all these beautiful gesture drawings of her as a baby. And it's like, I just couldn't. I was such a wreck that first year. And so for me, that was an example of, okay, here is a life thing that I, I have to put the artwork aside. I cannot just expect that I'm going to be an artist while I deal with a newborn baby. It's really, really hard. And so that was a long time away from the work, but I came back. Carrie started in their 40s. And Frida says, I think it helps to call yourself an artist when anyone asks you, what do you do? I just think that there's no degree of experience you need to have to be an artist. 
I mean, it's not like you're saying, oh, yes, I'm a neurosurgeon, but you're just studying. <laughs> it's, you don't get to do that until you're actually a real neurosurgeon. I mean, it doesn't matter. Ginger says, I want to add a new color of oil paint to my palette. Any recommendations? Ginger, if you can list the colors you currently have, I can make some recommendations because it depends on what you currently have. And Frida is saying, what is the Discord? The Discord is basically a big chat community. And you go in there and we're talking and sending each other links. It's really fun. It's like 24-7 art party. And what I am proud of with our Discord is that it is heavily moderated. In fact, we have some of the moderators are here in the chat. And it's a very safe place because we work very hard to keep it safe and inclusive for people. I recommend joining and just seeing what it's like. What I tell people is join the Discord, but just lurk for a little bit because it is a little intimidating to join a new online community. So lurk, see the conversations. If you decide it's not a good fit for you, that's fine. But we do have a lot of fun in there. I, I love it. It's just all these art nerds in one place, 24 seven from around the world. <laughs> Adesua says, currently working on my children's book portfolio. Fantastic. And Leslie says, love your content. Appreciate that you're so welcoming. It's awesome to have access to someone who is showing how it is to be a contemporary artist. I just find that, tell me in the chat if you've heard this or seen it. There's this really annoying elitist mystique being a contemporary artist. And I just think it's really cold, not accessible. And it's almost like they're putting themselves up on this pedestal that, oh, I'm making this incredible installation. You'll never know what went into it. Have you guys noticed that? That the contemporary artists that you see in museums most of them, you will not ever find out anything about how they make things. But I think you all know because you're here how much fun it is and how educational it is for people to see how you do things. And that's one of my favorite things is sharing that with you guys because I just think so much of it is so opaque. And I think it's because of that attitude that a lot of the contemporary art world has, unfortunately. And Cheesecake is saying, would it be okay to submit artwork in an exhibition that has small but clear references to license work from things like popular culture license work, not to copy, but to add meaning to the artwork? I can't give you an accurate answer, Cheesecake, because I'm not seeing the artwork. The thing about permissions and copyright and all that, everything is case by case. So it's impossible to say, if you do this, this will happen. It's not true. I mean, Greg Kanan, who has been on streams with us before to talk about copyright, he's my lawyer. He's great. I love him. He said something to me on a stream that never occurred to me, which was anyone can sue anyone for anything. That's a little terrifying <laughs> to think about it that way. But it basically says there's nothing that gets you off the hook until it actually happens. And as somebody who had their shop taken down, I can tell you it's no fun. So there's stuff like fair use. Fair use is when you use something 
for, for example, parody is considered okay for educational content. But whoever took the photo of Hugh Jackman here, thank you, owns this image. And so I can't take this photo and put it on my painting and call it mine. Although, again, there's those fair use arguments, but I guess I was a little traumatized by my experience. And so I am always erring on being cautious about these things because let me tell you guys, that whole thing probably took three years off my life. And thank God I had Greg to help me because I think I would have absolutely collapsed if I didn't have his help. Carrie says, do you ever have classes in Salt Lake City? I just moved from Salt Lake City. Didn't realize you were there. I go back often enough. I tried to run some in-person workshops at this local art center. But to be honest, you guys, I have found the community here very clicky. And that was sort of a big turnoff. And so I'm not doing it anytime soon. I would like to. But I found that very frustrating because I invested a lot of time to organize those workshops and only one person signed up for two classes. And I'm not going to blame anybody, but that's the first time that's ever happened to me anywhere. Daisy says, I'm almost 69 in 2011, came back to art when I retired from 32 years as an elementary school art teacher. Took a few adult courses, discovered I enjoy printmaking. I've been going strong since. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, be careful what you say around me because <laughs> I'm like, printmaking? Did somebody say something? <laughs> and actually, I'm really hoping that I can get funds to go to the Southern Graphics Conference in April because, oh my God, I could shoot the coolest reels there and share so much awesome content, but it's expensive because... It's conference. They they are not cheap going to those conferences. So hopefully, maybe some of you can help me out with that and I can go because that will be an amazing experience to share all the content there. Ho Long Chan says, how do you, which do you prefer, natural paintbrushes or synthetic? Probably natural, but the thing is, <laughs> the way I pick brushes, I just go to the store and touch them. I have no allegiance to any brand. I don't even know the names of half of the shapes that there are there. I just touch them and that's pretty much it. Okay, so Ginger says Lizard Crimson, Cad Red Hue, Cad Red, Cad Yellow, Lemon Yellow, Thalo Blue, Ultramarine, Viridian, Burnt Sienna, Burnt Umber, Paints Gray, Permanent Rose, Indigo. How about Prussian Blue? Maybe I'm just saying that because me and Prussian Blue, we were trying to get along. We had a couple bad dates, but it's still there. I, I, I'm giving Prussian Blue a little bit more of a chance only because I guess I was getting a little tired of ultramarine blue because that was sort of my go-to color anytime I needed value. And the Prussian Blue is even darker than the ultramarine. Oh, this other color. Oh my gosh dioxazine purple. Okay, I'll write it in the chat. I don't even know if I'm going to uh, spell it correctly, but dioxazine, I think this is the wrong spelling. Dioxazine purple. Oh my gosh, I love that color. The only reason I knew about it is because I got these old Holland watercolors from Blick for some 
stream I did for them a long time ago. And I was so in love. It, it was like a lizard crimson, but obviously tinted a little more blue. And I was just like, oh my God, I really like this. So I would try those two. Oh, oh, the other one, cerulean blue. I love cerulean blue. I'm sorry, I'm just recommending blues, but based on your list, that's what I'm thinking. Toronto Pinoy says, I work for a public gallery. We got a number of artists and they can be very elitist, makes the art world even more isolated. The way I would describe it, that very elitist contemporary art scene, New York City type of thing, it just feels like a club of people congratulating each other, patting each other on the back. Because you know something in terms of accessibility, very few people know about that world, even though it is held up so high in terms of awards and galleries and auctions and things like that. But I just find it frustrating because artists will talk about <laughs> their work engaging with this. And I'm like, you guys could not be more removed from the world. And what I do here is not prestigious, but it's more fun. And I also believe in it, believe in making art something that somebody does not need a PhD to understand. Drusilla saying someone sued you. They didn't sue me, but I had a takedown notice. I'm not gonna get into the details, I'm not allowed, but they just asked me to take down my shop. I'm not allowed to talk about it because I signed paperwork, but yeah, it was terrible. I, I was so, so upset. Teresa says, how can we get you to that conference? Well, thank you for asking. I have to make a list of all of the expenses because first of all, I find this kind of annoying, but Southern Graphics makes you buy membership with them to attend the conference. So you have to pay a membership fee, then you have to pay the conference fee, and then I have to fly there because it's in Rhode Island, which will be fun. I'll get to see Dorian, Kat, and Mia. And I have to be there for at least four days. The conference is four days long, and I have to eat as well. So I have to put together a list, but I would love to go so I can shoot all that content for you guys. Because the thing about that conference is that there's so many parts to it. There's artist talks, there's panel discussions, but most of all, there's demonstrations. And there's a materials fair. Oh, <laughs> every printmaking supplier is gonna be there in one room with all their supplies. I'm gonna like, oh my God. Like the last time I went was in 2004. It was a really long time ago. I was a graduate student at the time and I didn't know there was a materials fair. And so I show up and there's just like tables of tools. My brain was just going nuts. I mean, in some ways it's good. I didn't know I didn't bring a lot of money and a lot of them were really taking cash, but this time I know, and I, I love talking to the manufacturers. A lot of those people are creating healthier acids and things and all these new materials. Like, I don't know if people here have heard of Zeacryl, but Zeacryl is a particular company and they make an etching ground that is safer than some of the universal etching grounds. I wasn't a big fan of it. It's a little wonky, but the idea behind it is to make it less hazardous. But oh my God, that's so much information in like one place. I could just cut so much information and just give it to all of you guys. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> because again, it's like that information is behind that paywall. 
I mean, I think I have to look at it again, but I feel like it's at least $800 to attend. And so if you don't have that fee, nobody gets to see any of that content, but I'll share it with you guys. I just have to be able to go. <laughs> oh, good. Seems like a lot of other people like dioxazine purple. Ooh, cobalt violet. I should try that. Oh, this is a good point from Carrie who says, artists like this though are just deeply insecure. Or sometimes it's how they think they're supposed to behave. I confess, I, I was a part of that for a long time. Being in academia, I had to, what is it, walk the walk? Because there are certain things that are done certain ways. And if you want to be a part of that club, you sort of have to do the same thing. And part of it is acting like you're too good for everybody. <laughs> Fiction Wonder says, can you please discuss retrofuturism one day in the anatomy of the art style? I don't know what that movement is particularly. I know about futurism, which is a movement from the 20th century, but I guess I'd have to read up on that because that's not a movement I'm familiar with. Adesua says, does the gallery pay you to showcase your art or does the income only come from people who buy your work? The thing to understand is that there are galleries that will actually charge you to exhibit your work. That is called a vanity gallery. Never show in one of those galleries. That, that's not a good experience. They will not pay you to showcase your art. Maybe some do. I, I sort of don't think so, but it depends on the scale of the gallery. I mean, most galleries are not going to do that. Um, but in general, yes, it should come from the people who buy your work. Oh yes, Andrew Raftery. He's my former professor and colleague. And I'm so excited. I finally got these stills from him to finish my watercolor video with him. It's, it's going to be epic. It's kind of like a movie, <laughs> but it's an hour where he shows me his watercolors and we talk about what they're about. And he also demonstrates his watercolor technique. So I'm very excited to share that with you guys. I just have to finish it. It's just, it, it's taking forever because it's a really complicated tutorial, but I'm very excited to share that with you guys. All right, everybody, just so you know, we are not doing a Discord chat because I need to go watch a Hugh Jackman movie. <laughs> but remember, today, last day to register for the January and February workshops. This is where you get to work with me in real time with a small group of artists. It's really fun. We have a week before and after the workshop where you guys can get feedback from me. So it's really cool. I get to know you. I get to see your work. I make suggestions. So that way, when we start the workshop, I already know about your work and it makes things a lot more efficient. So remember, if the workshops run, we keep the registration open but they have to run. And so if you want the workshop to run, you better register today because if it doesn't run, I can't keep the registration open. So please take a look. The link is in the video description below and hope to see you guys there. Join our Discord, hang out with the staff. Remember, cool kids are here. <laughs> Join our Patreon group. You get to share your art 
in weekly voice sessions, support and critiques from me that are very long and essay-like. You find support in a small group of artists who are deeply invested in each other. Huge thank you to our top wonderful Patreon supporters, without whom we would not be here. You guys are the vast majority of our budget comes from these supporters. Our Prof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And subscribe for more tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next time. Bye.